he wants to thank all of his supporters for their ongoing support. Oh, you're welcome. And he said, I told you so. Hmm. He did tell us so. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Ain't I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the From middle Pacifica with Radio you. in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, KG, uh, Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids, WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV. In Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire, where we've got some good news today on WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets for you on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk streaming across the internet may not be available in the Ecuadorian Embassy in London. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Actually, maybe we are available once again in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, but uh, let me not get ahead of myself, because <laughs> apparently uh, it's Indict Everyone Day, Desi Doyen. Did really? you know that? I, I, I had not noticed that particular aspect, yeah. but yeah, there is a lot going on today, uh, who, as there usually uh, is. But not everyone, I should say. It's not Indict Everyone. Everyone, not uh, the people who really need to be indicted, but a whole lot of indictments going on. Uh, I'll get to those in a quick second. But in our uh, ever more difficult search for bright spots in the news to help keep you from jumping off a cliff, let me just hit one quick story here that I believe is unequivocally good news today. A bill to repeal the death penalty in New Hampshire cleared the state Senate with a veto-proof 17-6 to majority. That's a two-thirds margin on Thursday, setting the stage for the end of capital punishment in a state that actually hasn't executed anyone since 1939. I think they do have one person currently on death row, so good news for that person, I suppose. Uh, And uh, I would say good news for humanity at large. The House passed the repeal measure uh, last month by also by a veto proof majority. The Republican governor, Chris Sununu, has promised to veto the bill. However, however, uh, votes in the House and Senate signal that he most likely will be powerless to stop the repeal from taking effect unless two senators change their minds before the override vote. That vote is um, 
anticipated to take place later this month or next if Sununu, as expected, vetoes the measure. The uh, bill revokes the existing capital punishment statute in New Hampshire and replaces it with a penalty of life in prison without the possibility of parole for murder of a police officer or other capital offenses. So there's the good news portion of today's program. I hope you enjoyed it. That is good news. Actually, uh, there's some other news that is not necessarily good nor bad, uh, but may take some explaining uh, to, to understand what is actually going on here. So let's get back to indict everyone day uh one time democratic hero now fallen from grace uh, former stormy daniels attorney and once self-declared presidential hopeful which i suspect is no longer happening uh michael avenatti was indicted on a 36 count federal indictment on thursday alleging he stole millions of dollars from clients did not pay his taxes committed bank fraud and lied in bankruptcy proceedings, according to federal prosecutors out here in California. The indictment was brought by a grand jury here in Southern California and follows Avenatti's arrest last month in New York on two related counts and uh, for allegedly trying to shake down Nike for up to $25 million. Also on Thursday, former Obama administration White House counsel Greg Craig was charged on two counts of making false statements to federal authorities and on concealing information in a Justice Department foreign lying probe that came out of Robert Mueller's special counsel investigation into Russia. Craig was indicted for, quote, willfully concealing material facts about work he and his former law firm performed for the Ukrainian government, according to the U.S. attorney in the District of Columbia. Those are among the uh, exact charges related to the exact uh, same government that Donald Trump campaign committee chair Paul Manafort was found guilty of. The charges against Craig come about three months after his former law firm agreed to pay more than $4.6 million and publicly acknowledged that it failed to register with the U.S. government under the Foreign Agents Registration Act, or FARA, uh, for its work for Ukraine. The lawyers for Craig, a prominent D.C. attorney, proclaimed his innocence and noted that federal prosecutors in New York had actually declined to bring these charges before the indictment was brought by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C., at the request of the Justice Department's National Security Division. Uh, But again, that comes out of the uh, Robert Mueller special counsel probe, which, as we know, is uh, a whole bunch of angry Democrats who, for (laughs) some reason, are indicting a Democrat here. But getting the most press coverage today... Understandably, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange was arrested in London by British police on Thursday after being expelled from the Ecuadorian embassy. After some seven years of claiming asylum in the diplomatic compound and Assange will now likely face extradition to the U.S. on a one count indictment filed under seal on March 6 of last year, but only revealed by the U.S. Department of Justice today. Unsealed, I should say. The uh, U.K. Home Office confirmed the arrest 
Quote, in London, in relation to a provisional extradition request from the U.S., where he is now accused, quote, of computer-related offenses, as the Brits described it, the unsealed indictment charges that Assange um, charges Assange with one count of conspiracy to commit computer intrusion related to the leaks of U.S. government documents that he received from then-U.S. Army Private Chelsea Manning back in 2010. I'll explain that uh, one-count indictment in a moment. Assange has had an outstanding arrest warrant in the U.K. for years because back in 2012 he skipped out on bail to avoid extradition to Sweden in regard to sexual assault allegations that were pending against him there. He took refuge in the Ecuador embassy in London for the past seven years. Swedish prosecutors rescinded their warrant for him during that time, but Assange remained in the embassy nonetheless because he feared that there were secret U.S. charges against him, which apparently he was correct about. At least there was one charge filed last year against him, but his relations with the Ecuadorian government reportedly soured after a new president took power there, leading to his ultimate expulsion from the embassy today. Of course, as you know, WikiLeaks and Assange has dogged the U.S. government with a series of leaks over the past decade, such as the war documents and State Department cables provided by Manning as well as a CIA hacking material, and now uh, perhaps most infamously in 2016, Assange posted emails that had been stolen from the Democratic National Committee and the uh, Hillary Clinton campaign chair, John Podesta. Special Counsel Robert Mueller indicted 12 Russian intelligence officers for uh, carrying out the hack of those um, that, that, that hack and leak operation, but he did not file charges against Assange. Instead, the WikiLeaks founder is being charged with conspiracy to commit computer intrusion, specifically that he, quote, agreed to assist Chelsea Manning in, quote, cracking a password that was stored on Defense Department computers that did not belong to her. Assange's lawyer, Barry Pollack, said in a statement that this charge is mainly about, incur quote, encouraging a source to provide him information and taking efforts to protect, to protect the identity of that source, adding that journalists around the world should be deeply troubled by these unprecedented charges. Well, maybe... Maybe not, as I will discuss in a moment. For now, Assange is, is not being charged with any other crimes, such as the Espionage Act or crimes related to classified information. Though CNN reports this morning that the Justice Department expects to bring additional charges against Assange. OK, so before we get uh, before we go any further here, let me I, I, I want to make my position on a few points very clear regarding Julian Assange, regarding WikiLeaks. I fully supported at the time and I fully support now Chelsea Manning's leak of a whole bunch of stuff that arguably I would say clearly documented war crimes by members of the U.S. military. For example, that video 
recording of a, of a helicopter airstrike that targeted and killed unarmed civilians in Iraq, including a member of the press, by the way, a Reuters photojournalist. Those documents were very clearly, uh, in my opinion, in the public interest, despite being classified, and they exposed crimes by some of the people that were involved. Other documents did not reveal crimes, such as the many diplomatic cables that were released by WikiLeaks that came via uh, Chelsea Manning as well. Yes, they were used to ridicule and mock the State Department and uh, various other diplomatic conversations, but as far as actual uh, evidence of something, it was more uh, just spurious. Uh, well, yes, there was not crimes there, but uh, the case can be made that these were documents of public interest, and they sure. were of public interest, actually, in uh, quite a few countries and helped lead to the uh, to the Arab Spring in several cases. Uh, but these were certainly of public interest. They were classified, but they were public documents. In other words, uh, they were not privately owned documents. They, they belonged to us, to the United States, whether we were whether the public was supposed to see them or not. And again, as uh, absolutely as revealed at the time, uh, they were of public interest. Moreover, I fully supported WikiLeaks rights as a journalistic organization at at least at the time back in 2010 and uh, circa 2010 uh, to release those documents to the public. And I fully condemn as I also did at the time, the attempts by everyone back then from uh, Vice President Joe Biden to then failed vice presidential candidate and Fox News personality Sarah Palin to tar Assange as a terrorist, as uh, we discussed way back then on this program, um, to charge Assange uh, to, as a terrorist and uh, and Chelsea Ma uh, Chelsea Manning as having committed treason or espionage I don't think that happened in either of these cases treason by the way is punishable by death now Chelsea Manning did break the law and her agreement to keep those documents classified and despite arguably uh, serving as a whistleblower, she served an excruciatingly long time in prison under unreasonably harsh conditions, both before and after receiving that uh, very harsh 35-year sentence. That sentence was eventually commuted by President Barack Obama, and she was freed after serving seven years. But WikiLeaks and Assange did not, at least uh, as we've known until now, uh, violate U.S. law by making those documents available to the public as a journalist, which a journalist may do when someone gives them classified material. It's unlawful to steal and release classified material, but it's not unlawful for a journalist to receive and publish them. So if someone wanted to uh, stop by bradblog.com, check out our the, the snail mail address we use for donations and send uh, classified documents instead, it would not be unlawful for me to publish them or talk about them on this show, etc. That was determined by the Supreme Court back in the Pentagon's pa Pentagon Papers case. We've had uh, Dan Ellsberg, the notorious Pentagon Papers whistleblower, leaker during the uh, Nixon years. We've had him on this program a number of times throughout the years as he defended the actions of both Manning and Assange 
in those cases. So the BBC reports that at Westminster Magistrates Court in Britain on Thursday, Assange was found guilty of failing to surrender to the court. The court heard that uh, during his arrest at the embassy, he had to be restrained. He shouted, this is unlawful. I am not leaving. They helped him leave. Finding him guilty on that, uh, District Judge Michael Snow said Assange's behavior was, quote, the behavior of a narcissist who cannot get beyond his own selfish interest. He sent him to Southwark Crown Court for sentencing, where he faces up to 12 months in prison. And then Assange faces U.S. federal charges related to one of the largest ever leaks of government secrets. And the U.K. will decide now whether to extradite him in response to the allegations by the Department of Justice that he conspired with Manning to download four classified databases. WikiLeaks lawyer Jennifer Robinson, as you heard at the top of the show, she said she would be fighting the extradition request. She said that it sets a dangerous precedent where any journalist can face U.S. charges for publishing truthful information about the U.S. She said she had visited Assange in the police cells where he thanked supporters and said, I told you so. Assange had long predicted that he would face extradition to the U.S. if he left the embassy. It looks like he was right on that score or is uh, likely uh, to be right. Press Freedom Organization reporters, organization Reporters Without Borders said that the U.K. should resist extradition of Assange, who is Australian, because it would, quote, set a dangerous precedent for journalists, whistleblowers and other journalistic sources that the U.S. may wish to pursue in the future. So I'm just trying to I want to be very clear about my position on uh, on all of this, my historic position on Assange over the years. OK, I want to be clear about what he um is currently being charged with and not being charged with. So that's why I kind of want to step through this, because I've seen a lot of information out there today, a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts. Uh, many a lot of, of hot them, takes. A lot of hot takes. Yes, you're right. From people, many people, by the way, who I like and respect. The ACLU came out with a hot take that, uh, and I like and respect them, and I'll try to get to what they had to say in a moment. But then they had to uh, add an amendment to that hot take after the charge against Assange was actually unsealed. At this time, there is only that one count, and it doesn't have to do with journalism. It has to do with hacking a password, which is unlawful, period, no matter who does it, no matter for what reason. So uh, here's what we know about that charge at this time. Uh, on March 6th of last year, 2018, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Virginia filed a one-count indictment against Assange under seal. It was unsealed on Thursday morning after his arrest, but not before a whole lot of hot takes came out on Thursday with people outraged about it, and maybe justifiably so. In that, in that indictment, Assange was charged with one count of conspiracy to commit computer intrusion related to the uh, 2010 leaks with Manning, and uh, which if, uh, if Assange is extradited and found guilty on that one charge, he could face up to five years in U.S. prison for computer intrusion, not for journalism. 
Specifically, the indictment focuses on how, after Manning had already leaked hundreds of thousands of documents to Assange, the uh, WikiLeaks founder allegedly, quote, agreed to assist Manning in cracking a password stored on U.S. Defense Department computers. Cracking the password, the uh, prosecutors say, would have allowed Manning to log on to the computers under a username that did not belong to her, according to the indictment. However, there does not seem to have been any success in cracking that password. As far as we can tell, the indictment claims that on March 10 of 2010, Assange said that he had, quote, no luck so far in cracking that password. And there's uh, not uh, there's no further information on the matter. Now, if someone, as I said, gives me classified documents and I publish them at Bradblog.com, that is not illegal. But if I either encourage a source to break the law to get such documents, that gets a little bit grayer when it comes to the law. And if I specifically help them to violate the law, uh, for instance, by trying to help them crack a password to get into a uh, a private or a, or a classified computer system, that would be breaking the law. At least that's what prosecutors charge here. And if that's the only thing that Assange is charged with, I think they may have a reasonable case that does not deny press freedoms and the normal stuff that a journalist does in the course of his or her job. But it remains to be seen if that's the only thing that he is charged with. And the uh, the indictment itself, it's a seven page indictment, seems to suggest that, in fact, yes, there were a number of things that Assange did that are normal journalistic things like trying to conceal the source of a leak to not let that go public and even encouraging a source to share documents. If somebody calls me and makes a claim about something or another, uh, you know, claiming to be a whistleblower, I would say, as I have many times over the years, well, do you have any documents, since you're not willing to put your name on this publicly, do you have any documents so that your claims can be independently verified? That is the normal course of uh, what a journalist does. And though the uh, DOJ doesn't charge Assange with uh, you know, it doesn't make the claim that having done that was illegal, done some of those things was uh, unlawful in any way. It is included in the indictment for some reason. References to those things uh, as if it was, as being described here, a conspiracy to commit journalism. Uh, that would be a problem if he was charged with something along those lines versus being charged with trying to hack a password at the Department of Defense. So the charge against Assange currently, the current one, is narrowly tailored, uh, but the Justice Department, uh, as Vox reports, has long considered broader charges against Assange. CNN reports on Thursday that additional charges are indeed still in the works. One justifiable reason why Assange would want to fight extradition. But uh, charging Assange or WikiLeaks solely for publishing this information uh, that has been viewed by many as more troubling due to the implications of freedom for the press. If, in fact, 
he ends up being charged that way. Now, the ACLU's Ben Wisner uh, is quoted by CNN back in 2017, noting correctly that never in the history of this country as a publisher been prosecuted for presenting truthful information to the public. Any prosecution, he says, of WikiLeaks for publishing government secrets would set a dangerous precedent that the Trump administration would surely then use to target other news organizations. And this was one reason they report why the Obama Justice Department themselves did not choose to charge Assange. Obnoxious and inaccurate rhetoric uh, aside, likening Assange to a terrorist by folks like Biden notwithstanding. As Washington Post Sarah Horowitz reported back in 2013, if the Justice Department had indicted Assange at the time, it would also have to then prosecute The New York Times and other news organizations and other writers who publish classified materials, including The Washington Post and uh, The Guardian uh, in the UK. So that's why Assange was not charged uh, reportedly by the Obama administration at that time. Manning, meanwhile, right now, is once again back in jail because she refused to testify to a grand jury against Assange just last month. That is being cited as another sign that there may be further charges against Assange that could be coming since the newly uh, unsealed indictment today. That was filed more than a year ago. So what is it that the grand jury was doing last month that uh, they needed Manning to come in and testify, and she wouldn't, and so she's back in jail because of it. So uh, then, of course, there is the uh, similarly or even more controversial release of documents, which uh, Mueller's special counsel probe alleges uh, to have been hacked by members of the Russian military intelligence regarding what happened in 2016 in the election, though those Russians indicted for that hack by Mueller have they have not been arrested or had a day in court, as they likely never will be. But those documents, I would argue, while illegally stolen by Russia or someone else, as some claim, those were private, not public documents, what happened in 2016. They were private emails. Some were between members of the DNC. Others were stolen from Hillary Clinton campaign chair John Podesta. Uh, and there were other documents, hacked documents from other private citizens that were also published by WikiLeaks. None of that, at this moment anyway, is part of today's indictment. Now, I have a problem with releasing private emails that have been stolen. I, I should note that I, I supported the release of documents that reveal crimes. I always have, uh, even, I guess, if they're stolen uh, private emails. Uh, so if we're talking about crimes or something that is arguably newsworthy in in the public interest, uh, OK. But I found very few of the documents released by Assange during the 2016 election to have been in the public interest. Most were just private emails that I don't believe uh, a responsible news organization should have published, even though, by the way, it wasn't just WikiLeaks, but it was others, New York Times, Washington Post, 
who released uh, material, who published material from those stolen private emails that did not have a lot of uh, public interest, newsworthy value. So that's why we did not cover many of those documents on this show or bradblog.com. But we did, for example, share parts of the transcripts of Clinton's uh, paid speeches to a group of bankers, which she refused to release. Uh, I think that was in the public interest and it was at a public uh, uh, ceremony, uh, public event, I should say. Um, although a public event that you had to, I think, pay a whole lot of money to uh, to be involved with. But so she refused to release that information. Um, some of those transcripts we did share. Uh, they were eventually revealed. And frankly, they were pretty mundane and in some cases actually made her look better, frankly. So I'm not sure why she was hiding them. But um, the documents regarding some members of the DNC preferring Clinton over Bernie Sanders, I suppose you could argue that those were newsworthy, uh, even if I think it was only marginally so. The DNC can, frankly, do whatever they like, but there was some newsworthy value. Still, while perhaps irresponsible for a news organization to, to do that, I, I do not believe it is unlawful to publish those documents, at least if they were not involved directly in their theft. Either way, uh, that is not, at least not currently, a part of this case against Assange or the uh, one, count, one, one count indictment that was unsealed against him today. Barry Pollack, Assange's U.S. counsel, told uh, TPM in a statement that, quote, the factual allegations against Assange boil down to encouraging a source to provide him information and taking efforts to protect the identity of that source. That's not really what this uh, indictment boils down to, if you bother to read it. Uh, but Pollock's uh, attorney went on to say uh, journalists around the world should be deeply troubled by these unprecedented criminal charges. Um, and there may be a point to that. Again, if you read the indictment while he's not charged with those things, uh, they cite a lot of things that journalists do in the course of being journalists not as being unlawful, but as sort of to support what they are claiming is unlawful. Uh, after um, the arrest, well, actually, before the uh, after the arrest, but before the unsealing of the indictment, uh, Ben Wisner of the uh, ACLU said any prosecution by the U.S. of Mr. Assange for WikiLeaks publishing operations would be unprecedented and unconstitutional and would open the door to criminal investigations of other news organizations, and he's right. Moreover, he said prosecuting a foreign publisher for violating U.S. secrecy laws would set an especially dangerous precedent for U.S. journalists who routinely violate foreign secrecy laws in order to deliver information vital to the public's interest. In other words, U.S. journalists all the time post documents from foreign countries that would be unlawful uh, to publish there or that violate the foreign uh, the foreign laws. Uh, but anyway, that statement from Wisner was before the actual U.S. indictment was unsealed today. Afterwards, he updated the statement to include this criminally prosecuting a publisher for the publication of truthful information would be a first in American history and unconstitutional. The government did not 
cross that Rubicon with today's indictment, he acknowledged. But the worst-case scenario cannot yet be ruled out. We have no assurance that these are the only charges the government plans to bring against Mr. Assange. Further, while there is no First Amendment right to crack a government password, he notes this indictment characterizes that action, quote, as part of a criminal conspiracy uh, and describing the routine and protected activities that journalists often engage in as part of their daily jobs, such as encouraging a source to provide more information. Given, presidents, uh, given President Trump's and his administration's well-documented attacks on the freedom of the press, such characterizations are especially worrisome. That's sort of where we are. That's sort of what we know. That's certainly where I stand at this time. I don't think it's necessary for me to uh, share a hot take, as they say. Instead, I'm just sharing the facts of what we know and what we don't yet know and what the concerns may or may not be here. We're watching them closely here on the broadcast. All right, quick break, and we are back with more. Uh, not on this, but on some other stuff going on uh, back in Washington, D.C. Right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hi, this is Dan Ellsberg, Pentagon Papers whistleblower, and you're listening to the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. Cause I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So, hey, if, uh, if the IRS is late turning over tax returns, does that mean that the rest of us can be late, too? <laughs> oh, I hope so. I'm just asking. Uh, as you know, by now, I suspect Trump's Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin has declined for now to turn over six years of Trump tax returns to the House Ways and Means Committee, despite being required by law to do so. There is no wiggle room on this particular statute. Nonetheless, the uh, IRS commissioner who was supposed to turn over these documents apparently uh, did not do so. He's supposed to do it without consulting with the Treasury Department. The IRS is part of the Treasury Department, but it's supposed to be an independent executive agency. Uh, nonetheless, the IRS commissioner uh, appointed by Donald Trump appears to have consulted with the uh, secretary of the Treasury, which is Steve Mnuchin. Uh, who appears to have consulted with the White House, all contrary to the way the law is written, the rule of law, which Republicans um, used to pretend to care about. Uh, so apparently the IRS commissioner has now deferred this issue to Mnuchin, who has uh, no place being even involved in this. He now says he's consulting with the Department of Justice. That would be Trump's attorney general, William Barr. 
who yesterday told a Senate committee on another matter that he believes there was, quote, unquote, spying on the Trump campaign by someone. He wasn't specific, someone in the FBI or the DOJ or uh, one of the uh, someone in the intelligence community. He did not offer any evidence to support that charge, however. Uh, and there is an ongoing Department of Justice Inspector General investigation already looking into the matter. So you'd think it would be inappropriate for the attorney general to come out and make this claim that he believes there was spying going on. But William Barr is uh, very selective about what he thinks is appropriate and inappropriate for the AG to uh, speak out on, apparently. He's running a hell of an interference operation, basically, for Donald Trump at this point. Yeah, he's acting more like Donald Trump's personal lawyer rather than the United States Attorney General. Well, and that sort of behavior, frankly, uh, should have been obvious before he was confirmed a month or two ago for the job uh, with a few Democratic votes. As I recall. Uh, and of course, Mnuchin uh, also confirmed with the help of Democrats. Uh, he is doing the same thing, basically running interference here for the White House. Either way, it looks like we are headed to, um, well, either those six years of, of Donald Trump's tax returns actually being released to Congress as per the law. Uh, or one hell of a constitutional crisis in the courts if um, Donald Trump continues and Donald Trump's administration continue to blatantly violate the law. And all of that is before we even get to the release of the Mueller report, which Barr says he's busy redacting and is pretending that he is unfamiliar with the precedent set under uh, under the Nixon presidency that, yes, grand jury material can be released. It does not need to be withheld uh, as long as a court gives approval. It does not need to be withheld when turning over such reports to the U.S. Congress, as uh, was done during the uh, uh, Nixon administration. And that grand jury material was, in fact, kept secret for almost 50 years so there's really no reason for uh, Barr to not go to court to ask for permission to release that information to Congress. So we may see yet another constitutional crisis there, or at least a court battle very shortly, all of which should underscore the necessity of properly vetting Trump appointees and not just voting for them especially if you are a Democrat. Now, that would not stop them, uh, these appointees, from being seated, uh, given the Republican uh, majority control of the Senate. But frankly, I think it's shameful that there are still some Democrats who are falling for this nonsense and not blockading, not resisting in every way possible pretty much everything at this point from this administration. And that includes Trump's nominee, to head the Department of Interior, David Bernhardt, a longtime oil and gas lobbyist uh, tapped by Trump now to uh, head up the federal agency that happens to oversee the oil and gas industry's exploitation of public lands and is tasked with protecting those public lands and protecting uh, the, the, the wildlife on them. On behalf of the public, not on behalf of the oil and gas industry. Nonetheless, earlier this week, newly released uh, daily schedules from 
then Acting Interior Secretary David Bernhardt show hundreds of differences from schedules that his department had previous, previously released publicly and include meetings between Bernhardt and, yes, people with ties to his former lobbying clients. Now, uh, the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee last week voted 14 to 6 to advance the former lobby lobbyist to a full Senate vote. 14 to 6. I think that means Democrats were yes, voting uh, in favor of this guy. Yes. Uh, Joe Manchin, who is the uh, uh, ranking member chair of that, and also Martin Heinrich of New Mexico, Democrat. He also flipped and voted to send Bernhardt out of committee. That uh, the same day that that vote took place, the New York Times reported on previously undisclosed uh, invoices from Bernhardt, for example, for, quote, federal lobbying dated March 2017. That would be several months after he filed ethics documents saying that he would no longer lobby the government. He was the uh, deputy uh, uh, secretary at Interior under Ryan Zinke, who has since resigned in a cloud of disgrace and uh, inspector general investigations. But he filed an ethics agreement, David Bernhardt did, that he would no longer uh, you know, lobby the government. And yet he actually filed invoices from March of 2017 after he had uh, been lobbying, uh, fed, quote, federal lobbying, according to an, an analysis uh, several analyses by uh, by Roll Call and CNN. The 439 new pages of Bernhardt's daily schedules between September of 2017 and November of 2018 show hundreds of new details or disclosures about his meetings as the deputy secretary at Interior and as acting secretary, including some related to his former lobbying clients, which he's not supposed to be doing according to that ethics agreement. But, you know, ethics and the Trump administration. That's ethics, a, schmethics. It's not clear what that word actually means. Uh, on uh, February 27 last year, for example, Bernhardt met with the chair of the Center for Environmental Science, Accuracy and Reliability, which is a right, right-wing group, which is anything but anything but about environmental science, accuracy, or reliability. It's a an industry-friendly group that fights environmental uh, regulations. Bernhardt served as director of that group until joining the Trump administration. Uh, CNN flagged an April 12 meeting last year that uh, Bernhardt had um, uh, one uh, previously listed publicly as a personal Meeting, but it was with Lynn Hackadorn, who at one point was vice president of government affairs at Cobalt International Energy, hmm. a former Bernhardt client. Roll Call noted two meetings last May, one each with executives from Shell Oil and Cimerex Energy, which is a natural gas company. Neither Shell or Cimerex were direct Bernhardt clients, but... Um, Interior Department spokesperson Faith Vandervoort told uh, Roll Call that uh, they did belong to industry groups for whom Bernhardt worked as lobbyists. Vandervoort said that the ethics recusal does not automatically extend to all members of such industry groups. 
the uh, fight to reveal Bernhardt's true daily schedules. Uh, this has been going on for several weeks as the Senate was preparing to uh, have its final vote, its committee vote, and then its final vote for Bernhardt to uh, to uh, become the new chief of the uh, the uh, interior the, thank department. You, interior department uh, responding to a quest to a request from House Natural Resources Committee Chair Raul Grialva of Arizona, Democrat of Arizona. In February, Bernhardt claimed, quote, I have not personally maintained a calendar for years. But he acknowledged that numerous people create calendar entries on what can be labeled my calendar to maintain a schedule for the organization of daily appointments. But that the calendar details, quote, are publicly provided. Well, publicly provided, but apparently they do not match what Bernhardt actually did and who he actually met with that day. Uh, even worse... These schedules, these calendars, they call them uh, cards, I guess, uh, one card each for, you know, whatever it was he was supposed to be doing that day. They didn't keep them. They overwrote them each day. The Washington Post reported in March that uh, Democratic lawmakers were looking into a tip that Bernhardt's schedule was an ever-changing virtual document that was erased and written over every day. So convenient. The Post says the existence of his cards came to light in November in the course of a public records request by a researcher. Two months later, Freedom of Information Act officers at Interior informed him that staffers had to take a tedious step in order to fulfill his request. They had to go back and actually look at version histories of the same Google document, which changed every workday, dating back for months and months because it kept getting overwritten. Gralva uh, told CNN in response that uh, he hoped that they uh, folks there had an epiphany that they understood that these requests, the requests that committees are making, are not burdensome. He said, I think they came to the realization that if pressed on the issue, they would have to release them anyway. So uh, overriding them does not make them disappear, does not allow them to skirt the law as much as they were trying to. So uh, with all of that said, and with all of we know uh, about uh, Donald Trump's other um, appointees and all that we know about this appointee, David Bernhardt came up for a vote in the full Senate today, and I'm sure he was rejected, given <laughs> how much we know and how inappropriate he is for that position. Oh, uh, hell no. Not how'd the, it go? That's not what happened. What? Uh, no, he was confirmed in the Senate in a 56 to 41 vote. And if you can do your math quick, you'll realize that's three Democrats and one Independent broke ranks to vote for him. Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, Martin Heinrich, Democrat of New Mexico, Kirsten Cinema, Democrat of Arizona, mm. were joined by Angus King, uh, Independent of Maine, to confirm him not voting were uh, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey. Republican uh, who's up for re-election. <laughs> oh, no, no, wait, no, no, Cory, Cory Booker. Booker is Democrat. Uh, not Cory Gardner. Okay. Right, Cory Booker, Cory Booker, New Jersey right? Democrat. Uh, Kamala Harris, uh, California Senator. 
senator, Democrat, and Sonny Perdue, uh, Republican of Georgia, Georgia. They were not there. They were not physically there, is my understanding. So uh, yeah, King, Angus King, uh, voted with his Republican uh, colleague, Senator Susan Collins of Maine. They said that they voted in favor of Bernhardt's nomination because he promised them, he promised them so hard that their <laughs> state would not be open to the offshore drilling plan that the Trump administration is putting together right now, which uh-huh. reportedly, according to Politico, opens up everything. Including Maine. Offshore, including Maine. So we'll see what happens. So he was that. lying. Yeah, either way, they say, well, as long as you don't uh, drill offshore of Maine, we're fine. We're you can okay. screw over the entire rest of the country. What do we care? Exactly. Uh, but, you know, by a guy who is a lobbyist for the industry, he is now supposed to be overseeing and regulating, regulating their business and environmental practices. Fox in the hen house. And yeah, I suspect he's going to do no such thing. That is is what regulatory capture looks like. So congratulations to uh, the Trump administration. Congratulations to new Interior Secretary David Bernhardt. But more so, congratulations to the oil and gas industry. You all now get to regulate yourself. Well done. Speaking of which, quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and our latest Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. You know, uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to do today. Uh, we have to thank Julian Assange, the rest, I guess, for pushing it all off uh, concerning some Republicans who are finally figuring out that they should not roll over for all of Donald Trump's nominees, including Herman Cain, who looks like he will uh, now uh, his nomination to head the Federal Reserve, not head, but uh, to be on the uh, Federal Reserve will now probably be scuttled because Good. <laughs> four Republicans have come out against him. Republicans are now beginning, at least according to Politico, uh, to turn against Donald Trump at least a little bit. A few of them. Uh, yeah, a few of them. We'll see if they actually mean it or not. Uh, but I had more on uh, on that, on Ken Cuccinelli and more on um, Chris Kobach. Uh, who are both being floated for the DHS. Emphasis on moron. But we'll get to that, I guess, on another day because we have got to get to our latest Green News report. The president, not the bureaucracy, will have sole authority to make the final decision when we get caught up in problems. President Trump moves to strip states and the State Department of authority over oil and gas pipelines. The sand and salt being sprayed is salt in the wound for areas still recovering from last month's flooding. Midwest states hit with second bomb cyclone in three weeks. Plus, world's glaciers melting faster than predicted thanks to man-made global warming. Thanks, man-made global warming. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for... 
for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. President Trump claimed that the noise made by wind turbines causes cancer. I've been trying to decide all day what the craziest part of that sentence is, and I think it's president. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, you have been warning us, and now it's here. Yes, the second massive intense bomb cyclone blizzard in three weeks is plowing across six states in the Midwest, shutting down highways and air travel, and causing more flooding in areas still reeling from billions of dollars in damages from the last storm. Thanks, man-made global warming. In Minnesota, an ice jam on a swollen river has already collapsed a bridge in Norman County, mm. again underscoring that our crumbling infrastructure is not ready for these more frequent extreme weather events that have been turbocharged by man-made global warming. Thanks. But Politico reports that victims will have to wait for federal disaster assistance. Senate negotiations have broken down over a $13 billion emergency disaster relief funding bill due in large part to President Trump's false insistence that Puerto Rico has received too much money in the wake of Hurricane Maria's devastation in 2017. In reality, the majority of the disaster relief funding has not reached the island yet. Victims of the current floods and last fall's catastrophic hurricanes and wildfires will remain stuck in limbo while Congress is on recess. He's pretending that we have given $91 billion to Puerto Rico. That's not true. Right. Not by a long shot. In a new report, the World Meteorological Organization calculates that in 2018, 62 million people around the world were impacted by extreme weather disasters and warns that extreme weather is worsening hunger and conflict in already volatile regions around the world. It's also worsening migration from Central America, something that you'd think Donald Trump would care about, but he doesn't care about much, does he? Nope. President Trump moved to make climate change and pollution even worse on Wednesday in Texas. He signed two far-reaching executive orders dramatically speeding up permitting and construction of oil and gas pipelines, even as U.S. oil and gas production is at record highs. The orders make it harder for states to block new fossil fuel infrastructure using their authority under the Clean Water Act to reject projects that threaten water quality. I don't understand. I thought that Republicans were in favor of states' rights. Why would they support taking away the state's rights to prevent pollution of their drinking water? An excellent question. Trump falsely claimed that New York State's rejection of the proposed Constitution natural gas pipeline in its watershed somehow affects U.S. access to oil. And we actually buy a lot of oil from other countries like Russia because we aren't being permitted to build a pipeline through New York State. Trump's orders also strip the State Department of authority over pipelines that cross international borders, like the controversial Keystone XL pipeline. So now this is the sole authority of the president to approve such pipelines? Sounds like it. He ordered the Transportation Department to change the rules to allow extremely flammable, liquefied natural gas to be shipped by rail and truck, and added other provisions to block state control. Because preventing things from blowing up and killing people, that's just red tape, Desi. Critics like the Western Governors Association said the orders trample long-established states' rights. 
Meanwhile, levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere are now the highest they've been in three million years. That's according to an international team of scientists. They concluded that the last time atmospheric CO2 was this high, sea levels were 60 feet higher than they are today, and Antarctica had trees. Finally, a different new study in the journal Nature warns that the impact of man-made global warming is melting the world's glaciers faster than expected. The largest ever study of the world's glaciers finds they're shrinking five times faster today than they were in the 1960s. And the rate is speeding up, too, nearly 20 percent faster than calculated by U.N. scientists back in 2013. Our scientists are great when they take a picture of a black hole 53 million light years away, but they don't know what they're talking about when it comes to global warming, I guess. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Yes. She blinds me every day with science. We try. So a lot of science today, a lot of law today, a lot of explainers today on the broadcast. And a lot more we didn't get to. And that's true. Uh, But hopefully, the more you know, as they say. Uh, Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. And uh, thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is greatly appreciated if you missed any portion of today's show or any other. You can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That is thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi and I continue what we try to do every day over your public airwaves and to make things like years and years and years of broadcasts available for free for everyone to download. So uh, thanks to those who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate. You can drop me email if you got any uh, problems, questions, concerns, or anything else you'd like to say about uh, today's show or any other. My email address is bradcast at bradblog.com, and I hope you will find, follow, and share what we do on the Facebooks and the Twitters as well, where you can find me at the Brad Blog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.